0: All right, we're here with a special episode of Lake Effect Sports. We've got guest Jacob Burns. He is the host of OBR Film Breakdown. Jake, how are we doing?
1: I'm great, guys. Thank you for having me.
0: Um, before we get into, like, 2021 season talk, I kind of just want to talk about your Browns fandom. You can see it in the background of the video. You're a huge Browns guy. Have you been, like, a lifelong Cleveland guy in overall sports, or what's the case?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I grew up suffering the same way all of us have. All right. I, <laughs> I grew up north of Columbus in a town called Marion and, uh, you know, central Ohio gets a little weird because it gets pulled three different directions. You find, some, I live in Columbus. Now you'll, you'll find some Cleveland a good amount of Cleveland. I think it's a majority of Cleveland fans, but you know, you'll also find some, uh, um, you know, Bengals, a little bit of Bengals fans and some Pittsburgh fans mixed in too. But, yeah, for the most part, I grew up uh, in a pretty heavy Browns environment. Couple Steelers fans, but yeah, I mean, I I grew up uh, really enjoying uh, the Browns, even in the worst of times, and stuck it out. And you know, there's always like my nephews are young; they're just entering high school. One of them's a Browns, they're twins, and one's a Browns fan. One's like, I'm just gonna be an Eagles fan. And I'm like, you know, man, I don't blame you. That's,
0: fine. <laughs> that's fine. That's like one of those things you can't even be mad at. It was like 20 years of just. pretty terrible football
1: so yeah i talk about the lost generation often that's guys like me in the early 30s late 20s who maybe don't remember the late 80s early 90s i was born in 89 i don't obviously remember the late 80s teams and i was too young to remember the belichick teams. so all i've known is 20 years of genuinely terrible football so i don't blame anybody for not wanting to continue to go down that path be in that environment make that a part of your (laughs) <laughs> make that a part of your life because it's not fun it hasn't been that fun now the payoff seems to be right in front of us but yeah there's there's a generation of Browns fans who I I think they lost I think they lost a lot of people but hopefully they can start trickling back in because they have a good thing going yeah, I yeah know. for sure
0: I can relate I'm a Youngstown guy so if you haven't heard before Youngstown gets all of Pittsburgh I mean <laughs> it's just brutal how bad it is with fans here I
1: so- went to college in southeast Ohio at Muskingum and And it was uh, I was pretty stunned at how many Pittsburgh fans there were over that way. But again, you know, it's factions of Ohio that you, you know, we're going to go wherever they most enjoy football from a perspective of winning. And Steelers have done quite a bit of that. Yeah. Well, you did.
0: And you started this uh, OBR. When did it kind of really start to kick off for you and really get a bit of a following going?
1: Uh, I started doing it. I noticed nobody was really talking about game film. Uh, like 2017, I think was when I started doing it. So uh there was, I, I kind of started to follow along and pay attention to, to the media because i have been busy my entire life. I'd been preoccupied with other things. And, you know, I was looking for an avenue to to continue to discuss or be involved in football somehow. And as I followed along and, you know, when you grow up, you know, all the, the obvious names of folks covering the team. But as I'm following this thing, I'm like, I don't really see anybody providing analysis and this this was like 2017 I didn't really know maybe it was just I wasn't looking around enough I'm not sure but I didn't notice really anybody doing it across the league like there were some people that have been out there doing it a while but like you know the Matt Waldman's of the world and things like that but I just didn't notice that many people doing it and I'm like well I'm at this job where I'm lucky enough to have a lot of downtime you know I'm at a desk all day and I don't have to talk to customers all the time and I get my work done and I was like, I'm going to download this screen capture software, um, which was like it was like ice cream screen record. It's the goofiest name. And I'm like, I'm just going to talk about the game. I'm just going to go through key plays and give I used to call Monday film recaps where I would just go through and uh, pinpoint plays and maybe 20 clips on a Monday. And people loved it. Like they really, really loved it. And I was. I had actually, when I had first started the idea of, of, of writing, I I was writing on the Indians. Obviously it was a good time to be writing about the Indians because of where they were in 2016, 2017. And then I went to this place called waiting for next year, which I'm sure you've heard of if you've paid enough attention to Cleveland sports. And uh, they, they were like, well, our Indians coverage is good, which had fantastic Indians. writers. But what do you think about writing on the Browns? I was like, okay, I'll do that. That's fine. So that's when it all kind of picked up. And I, I, from the beginning of that season to the end, gained a lot of followers. I could tell people were like really interested in this niche, and uh, kind of took it from there. And, and WFNY was great to me. The people there were really great, and then the OBR caught on to it. And I spent some time at Cleveland.com and did some other things. It's been a very growing, growing area uh, across football as people explaining it and you know the all twenty-two element of it explaining because football is the least understood sport. You know, it's the least understood of the major three because there are so many details uh, tied into every single, every single play. You know, basketball, there's always there's hidden things in basketball, but for the most part, it plays out right in front of you. There's only 10 guys, and, you know, it's, it's just there. You can see the whole floor. You can see all the players. The NFL, you know, you're watching the TV view. You can only see so much. You know, you don't get to see the downfield action as well as you should. Obviously, they're at a side angle, so you don't see all of the things going on with the offensive line. So I just it just caught on. I mean, I went from like 350 followers when I decided to take up this idea to like 7,000 by the end of one season. And I was like, there's something clearly here. So it's been a long journey of just, uh, you know, there's people that do it now, people in the Browns side that noticed it and caught on. And I mean, imitations, what is that strongest form of flattery or whatever? But yeah, yeah, there are other people in the Browns market who do this stuff now. So it's uh, but it's, it's a popular niche, man. And there's, there's a lot of people that really enjoy it.
0: All right. Well, thank you for that. So I kind of just want to dive into the twenty twenty one season now. I mean, that's what you're here. Everyone's here to t- listen to you talk about this great Browns team. Just a quick little question before we get into like real in depth things. Super Bowl odds for the Browns plus sixteen hundred right now. Would you throw a little money on that?
1: Uh, I'm not a gambling man, but I could see people doing it. That's that's uh, that's not bad. I, it, it's again, convincing yourself that they can stay healthy enough and, and you, you know, they can, they, if they can, they have the the talent to do it. There's only so many teams on paper, you know, people talk about, well, you know, they're only an on paper team and and whatever, whatever. And it's like, well, you have to be an on paper team before you're an on the field team. You know, the, the, the talent has to be there to translate and they're finally there. Right. So I definitely think that they could do it. We'll see if they actually, you know, can make it happen. But I, I, I don't know people who gamble. Maybe they they know a little bit better about that's a good odd or a bad odd. But I think that they have a real a real chance to to uh, to get there and get it done if they get in that because it's a, you know playoffs are a coin flip man they're just a coin flip. So you know Pat Mahomes gets hurt at halftime or someone's out with COVID or anything. So yeah, I mean if you want to put uh, fifty bucks down on it and see what that turns into, you go ahead. They're in the conversation. Put it that way.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. And like I would probably. Put a decent amount too. I mean, and you're right. Playoffs are always random. Like, like you said, we had an opportunity to maybe catch the Chiefs off guard because of Chase, McDaniel, <laughs> Chase Daniel be, being in the game, but it didn't work out that way. But I think even worse, but,
1: it was Chad Henney.
2: Oh, Chad Henne. That's you want to feel right, like, like right. a
1: decade. <laughs> a de- I posted just yesterday about the App State game, which feels like a lifetime ago. A lifetime ago, and that guy was the quarterback for Michigan in that game. So. Yeah, man, it's even worse. Sorry to interrupt, but that, that's just it's, oh, it's even worse that's than Chase why I Daniel. Had his
2: name on the brain just because that was like <laughs> the anniversary. But yeah, like like playoffs are always random. So hopefully, like Browns are always like are on the right side of that luck because playoffs are well, is a shooting and it's a lot of luck. All right. So speaking on the biggest
0: issue for this Browns team is the defense is a huge question mark still. A lot, of, a lot more improved than last year, but I think the most important piece is JOK. Where do you see JOK being used, and how much trust are we giving him this year?
1: Uh, he's going to be the will backer. I think they're going to trust him as much as they have to. The Jacob Phillips situation sort of forced that, uh, forced that scenario. But, yeah, I mean, they're going to they're keep him at will and um, play him and start him there, and he'll, he'll be in dime packages. He'll be on the field nickel. Uh, I expect him to be a pretty big part of what they do this year, Uh, and uh, you know that's that's maybe more than we were all hoping for initially. But they like him a lot, and he's one of their best eleven. So when you you know when a guy's one of your best eleven, you gotta you gotta get him out on the field. So I would expect him to play, staying healthy, eighty percent of their total defensive snaps because they'll use Joe Woods as a nickel guy by nature. He'll use a ton of uh, a ton of uh, a sorry, he'll use a ton of linebackers because he he doesn't. You know, people talk about Dime all the time and, and this Dime concept for him and all the fun they can have with these DBs, to which I agree, but at the same time, he's got to have everybody he wants, and he's, he's notably said, hey, I'm a guy who prefers to play nickel, so uh, I think we'll see more of that than anything else to start the year, and I think that will involve JOK in there as the second backer.
0: And you were talking about Dime and corners. We obviously made some big moves acquiring new pieces. How... How much trust do you have in those new corner additions? Do you like the secondary a lot more this year?
1: Well, yeah, of course. I mean, there was the glaring weakness last year. John Johnson is a massive upgrade, both on the field and in, the, and in a locker room setting. Uh, the, I don't think there's any questioning that. You get a second year of Ronnie Harrison. You can get Grant Delpit healthy. That's, that's an immense improvement to your secondary uh, at the top of it. Troy Hill. Obviously, a guy who's played outside corner in his career, uh, finally moved to inside corner last year when the Rams let go of Nickel Roby Coleman and found a ton of success uh, doing that. And I think he can play a little bit of both. I don't think people understand that, yeah, he was brought in to play to play slot, but he will be able to play outside, too, when they need him. And then, you know, Greg Newsom's a guy they're cross-training in both areas. You know, he's, he's played slot corner. From the start of OTAs, they've given him opportunities there. They flirted with it into training camp, and in each of the games in preseason, he has also played in there too. So they have flexibility with him. I still think he's your best outside corner uh, behind Denzel. So I think he should start there. We'll see what they do, but yeah, then you have Greedy too. And if you're all, if they're all healthy, which seems like they might be come week one, it's just a talent upgrade supreme here. I mean, you didn't have Greedy. You're playing Terrence Mitchell nice nice nfl player solid nice depth guy playing him every single snap last year like he was the leading snap count guy on the entire defense he had to play a a real mixture of unfortunate players inside kevin johnson who uh you know he battled from the beginning of the year with the his kidney or he had liver laceration maybe i can't remember it was pretty serious but he came back relatively soon i like kevin he's talented but not as sticky as as you would like as a slot player, and he just did not tackle well, which was the concern going into the year, bared out as, as true throughout the year. So you can upgrade that. And they were playing Robert Jackson in there and a whole bunch of different people. Tavares, Thomas, they were playing a whole bunch of It was just a mess.
2: It was just a mess at the very end of the year.
1: Yeah, absolute mess at the end of the year. And, and you know, they're piecing it together as they went. And that's not even including the safety room conversation, which is... You know, Andrew Sandejo, <laughs> because Sheldrick Redwine never quite figured out how he needed to play to take that role from Sandejo. He didn't have the uh, cognitive understanding of the defense the way they wanted him him to. So that that left a, a glaring athleticism hole uh, at the at the safety position. So, um, you know, Sandejo has to play then Carl Joseph's in and out. It was, it was bad guys. So yeah, I don't think, I think we've talked about it, but I maybe don't think it's stressed enough how big the personnel improvements have been for this group. Yeah, Yeah, I I agree. Do I miss him? (laughs) I mean, Andrew was, (laughs) he, he was never brought here to play the way he was forced to play. So he got a lot of blame for things that were not always his fault. And you know, I'm I'm not a hate on a player. There, listen. There are people out there that do that, and it's funny. And I I totally understand. I mean, he was he was in the wrong place at the wrong time quite often. But uh, for for Andrew, he was not brought here to be a a guy who played as much as he did, but he was forced to, and you know, it it led to a ton of a ton of issues for them. So that's the only thing last year when I go back and look at it was the lack of safety depth that they they needed for a guy like. Sandejo to not have to find the field and they probably were hoping the Sheldrick Redwine could figure it out right and get on the field too that's a fourth round pick in his third year or his second year I can't remember uh, anyway yeah you needed him to figure it out and get on the field in some capacity but he couldn't so they were they were strong there I mean I think Sandejo's a smart guy he could be a bit like a pinch player a guy who could come in and fill a specific role for a game plan but you know leaving him out there like he was left out there was is no win for everybody involved
2: yeah, I think you touched on it a little bit with the defense that the new guys are more versatile than the old guys, pretty much, mm-hmm. and they can fill multiple roles. I think one example is John Johnson, who, with the Rams, he played in the box, he played free, He almost played like a linebacker because I think their linebacker death was so bad, so he had to play mm-hmm. multiple roles. And I think that's kind of the theme that of all these guys that were brought in is we need guys that can play multiple roles, and if you can do that, you're going to find a spot on this team, pretty much. Well.
1: Yeah, correct? I would say too it's it's the it's the same in, at least the goal of what they're trying to do with the upfront guys, find people who can play outside, who can play inside. Um, Malik Jackson can play that uh that big slot or sorry, that big end position. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Clowney can move inside, Sheldon Day, flash versatility in the last preseason game. Malik McDowell can play a shader one. In the same way with linebacker, they were they were trying a bunch of linebackers in different positions throughout preseason too. They they definitely want as much versatility as they can get across to every position, and the safeties are are obviously no different. They want those guys to be able to handle playing uh, up at the line of scrimmage, in the box, in the slot, deep half, deep deep middle. They want them to be able to do it all. And I think I think they have a group that can do a little bit of everything. All
0: right. So the defense has a lot more versatility versatility the offense seems a little more settled in stone and there's one guy in particular I want to talk about Baker Mayfield so what do you want to see from Baker this year like improvements like pocket presence check like checking protection like lower body like what do you want to see the most what's what step forward do you want to see him take
1: Mm, I, I think with Baker it's just consistency right like consistent accuracy um I don't I don't think that there's a ton. I put a clip up the other day. He could he could do himself some favors with using his backs out of the backfield more often taking throws that are that are given to him by the defense. I think defenses at this level are baiting him into some throws and he, he'll make them and he'll he'll end up making them in burning teams. But he is a I'm going to throw the football down the field as often as I can. He is, you know, when you talk about a gunslinger that that phrase gets thrown around a lot but baker really loves to drive the football downfield like whenever he can and that can be a thing that works out for you and then sometimes it can be a real detriment right because hey there's an open player in the in the flat if i just swing it out to him but god i want to throw this 20 yard skinny that is just uh it's a tight window but if i make it it's going to be beautiful there's some of that to his game you know as you get older I, i talk about this all the time in my pod when i talk about the evolution of Baker and where it all goes for him and how he becomes the best version of himself. You know, he doesn't have an elite trait in terms of running ability that makes defenses change how they play. You know, teams play Josh Allen a little different. They play Lamar a little different because they can move Kyler different because they can move, but he doesn't have that. And, And what he has to ultimately get to is, is, And I've said this for years now uh, is that he has to have a a head coach or play caller. Who's going to have a long-term relationship with him. Those two get so, so much on the same page, almost like that, that breeze Sean Payton relationship you hear about where they're, they're calling the plays for each other. They're on such a same, same page. They know everything in and out. They, they have a, uh, you know, sort of cerebral connection there that is, that is unique. And, and, you know, you could think Tom Brady and Josh McDaniels forever there, or, Peyton, well, Peyton was more as OC, his own OC, but Tom Moore was connected to him. But, um, yeah, I think I think that that what he has to do is get so uh, comfortable with what the what the scheme is, what they want him to do, that he plays from out in front of teams from a from the from his mind. Like he has to he has to know decisions to be made before they're made, and that's what guys like Drew, uh, guys who found long term success like Philip Rivers, who are not gifted movers. They deciphered defenses almost before the snap, right? Like they had an idea of hey, the safety's rotating here pre-snap, they're gonna bring pressure two off my right. What's my answer? Throw it to it, beat it. That west coast quick throw stuff. And that's a lot of what they do in the passing game when they're not doing uh, wide zone stuff because it's a West Coast principled offense. He will get if he wants to be this this fantastic version, and that and Tom Brady's another guy like that. And Ben Roethlisberger, even though Ben had more extension ability because of his body size he has to be able to, you know, beat people with his mind, you know, get get out in front of where to go with the football, burn teams based on coverage mistakes, those sorts of things. And I think that's how he takes off. So I would love to see more of that this year where I break down tape and I can see what the defense is trying to do. And I can see Baker actively burning what the defense is trying to do, right? Like that is, that is what you want to see from him. So he started to, to show pocket comfort by the end of the year. I thought he made great strides and how he handled the pocket, how he handled uh, how he handled a lot of different things, really. I mean, his ability to not bail out anymore, all of that stuff started to show. I thought the mechanics of the right-foot-forward approach had worked out for him. Uh, I'm not really too, too concerned about mechanic stuff, but I do want to see him get a little better at decision-making, process thinking. And if he carries the guy uh, that was the quarterback from, from week seven on and ties it into 17 consecutive games, I mean, you're really looking at a guy that could be a top eight quarterback, you know, and it's 17 games this year. So the realistic goal of of throwing for four thousand two hundred yards or so and thirty five touchdowns, keeping the interceptions around 10. Then you're going to start having those conversations about him being one of the better quarterbacks in the league. At least we think I've talked about the the system he's in. The quarterback will never get the credit they deserve. I mean, it's just a weird thing about west coast wide zone teams they they love to give credit to everybody but the quarterback but all he can do is play consistently good football and put his team in the best place to win and if you win enough games and you put up enough stats and people will start giving you respect at least that's the hope
0: yeah that, that was kind of like my next question really obviously nick chubb is phenomenal this o-line is great why isn't baker getting the credit he deserves and why, like what's the whole thing about a system quarterback that just doesn't make any sense to me calling someone like a system guy
1: yeah, I think what you want, what I've noticed, it's, it's it's a moving target, man. What what I've noticed is that. The goalposts uh, are always moving for Yeah,
2: me. it's always moving all the time.
1: Yeah, it's, I, I kind of equated it to selling your quarterback soul on Twitter the other day. You never will get uh, the respect you probably deserve. You can extend your career and play good football, like even take yourself up another couple levels, but you'll never quite get the respect you deserve because people want to blame it on someone else. So what what happens is teams are trying to keep quarterbacks out of situations where they struggle, and, and and that's the biggest goal is you know keeping and it's really keeping teams out of third and eight. The guys who get the most respect are the guys who almost operate out of gun, uh, operate out of empty looks, um, you know, or, and, and really who who does that a lot? Josh Allen, right, does it a ton. Brady does it a ton. Uh, there's there's no doubt that people give Lamar a lot of respect because he does some of those things occasionally, but there's this idea that if you get under center and you have these good running backs and even if they put the offense in your on your shoulders in times like I thought they did with Baker, then you're just not going to get the respect that you deserve because they want to give it to other people. I don't I don't know where this is going. The the discussion around quarterback play and 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 who deserves credit and who doesn't deserve credit is really weird, but they want you to be the driving force and if you're not the driving force leading a team you know meaning you you have two talented running backs and you have this really nice offensive line even if you're the one helping out that offensive line uh, by quickly getting rid of the football they're never going to give you credit so I, i i won't take offense to it i mean i'm not gonna i've i've had many times where i've wanted to jump in and dive in and yell at somebody who says something stupid but the perception is the perception and it's not going to change. You know, they're going to continue to just give Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt credit who are good football players, obviously great football players. Uh, unless, unless Baker, they, unless they put him in situations where he has to go out and win. So just win. Like if you just win uh, people and people still call Tom Brady, a system quarter. I, I don't, I don't even know. It's just so a dumb, dumb. it's so dumb, dumb. It's dumb buzzword stuff, man. That's all it is. Like it's just dumb buzzword stuff. Now, You know, Baker's got to continue to make plays when nothing's there. Prove that he can throw people open, right? Those difficult throws that aren't that aren't laid out and easy for him to do. And I continue to say he's in his fourth year in the NFL. Like, just give it time. You know, we all we all want to make these decisions about the value of quarterbacks right now, right now, right now. And I hate that about modern football almost more than anything because it's not it's not it's just not a sport that you can make quick decisions. And they're forcing. The contract situations that the NFL has put into quarterbacks uh, decisions for franchises to make on quarterbacks is making them make decisions quickly about them. And I just think that we need to be so much more patient than we're being with them because it's 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 leading to bad results uh, across the league, which bums me out Mm -hmm. a lot. So I think Baker just needs to stay the course, man. Uh, Eventually you're going to have to let go of Nick and Kareem, you know, eventually you're going to have to let go of Odell. And then you're going to ask Baker making 35 million a year. Hey, carry us. It's the same thing that people want to forget this about the Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger's first three or four years, he was carried by a fantastic defense and some nice skill position players until they gave him a contract in his fifth year. And then they said, Hey, you got to carry us. And he did. They were patient with him. Drew Brees got time to figure things out uh, at his position right? They got, he got time in San Diego to figure it out for a few years before he was asked to carry an entire franchise. It's he didn't really do it until he got to new Orleans. Like give it some time, let the guy get really comfortable in the league. Let him figure out the things he can do, the things he can't do, what he's comfortable with, what offensive system he fits best in and then go from there. So we just want to rush. And and it's the same with Tom Brady early in his career. You know, those defenses won super bowls. It's not really hard to go figure out that those defenses were elite, and Tom just kind of did enough to get by. So be patient, stay the course. And 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 there's no need to like, hey, man, we, we can't give him money. So we got to reset the whole quarterback room. Let it play out. Look at the look at again. Go back and look at Peyton. Go back and look at, at, at Philip Rivers. Back and look at Drew. Go back and look at Tom. the guys who we see having long term success. There were some up and down years, right? There were some years that maybe in the first seven years weren't as good as either the, the team or the players wanted them to be. So. Be patient. I think he's got a long NFL future in front of him. I think he can do a lot of great things for Cleveland. He can be, hopefully. That that's the challenge. What what they have to figure out. Uh, do they think he can carry them? Right. Do you think? Do they think that when those prime time skill position players, they can't afford them all? Can he carry them? And I think that we'll we'll learn a lot about that this year.
0: All right. Nice. Uh, I I only have one more thing. I, I know Matt has a couple more things, but so you're talking about patience and consistency. We have this great coach in Kevin Stefanski. What does mm-hmm. he need to improve on the most? Because no one's really talked about that at all. What, what type of like play calling, defensive schemes, what, what do you think he needs to improve on?
1: Uh, throwing a little bit more early downs, being less predictable, uh, putting his best guys out there, which sometimes, I mean, not, not throwing three tight ends out there as often as they did. I think you can get better in that regard. The process for reviewing plays and making decisions is very great. So he, they don't really need to improve that. They just need to stay consistent. There were not many times I watched the games last year and thought, I can't believe he's challenging that, or I can't believe he's going for this here or not going for it. They have great process there. But what they can do is, like I said earlier, uh, and, and and again, a lot of the data about their early down passing mm-hmm. was tied to a team that didn't get a preseason, didn't get a full training camp the way they were supposed to it was a new offensive system so of course you're going to run these two elite running backs you have you're going to run them a lot I think that stuff will balance out I have no I have no fear about that but yeah just uptick a, a early down throwing keep integrating the play action you're doing and uh you know I don't really have much else to complain about him with I think he helps out the defense more than people understand and he does a nice job there he's uh He's a great motivator, great leader. He's he's able to get these guys to be able to handle drastic change in, in a short amount of time. So, you know, keep doing you, man, keep being you, keep being the coach that you are. And, and again, like I'm talking about Baker needing consistency, you would like Kevin to keep showing that level of consistency and decision making, uh, taking advantage of weaknesses of defenses. It's, it's a rare thing, guys. I'm not, I'm not worried about their coach. I think he's, 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 He's the type of guy who will have self-reflection after a season and get better at what he thinks he struggled with and talk to people. He respects about how did I handle this situation? What can I improve that stuff? He will do that. He's that good at, 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 uh, at who he is as a person in terms of like understanding there's no ego with him. So he will do all the right things to make sure that he improves, but, there are little minor things on the offensive side of the football. You would like to see them have a little uptick with, which I've referenced here, but uh, uh, overall, not, not much at all, man. All
0: right. I, I kind of agree with that. Just didn't know if there was anything that you saw, like you have a much more, more knowledge about this Browns team than I could ever dream to. So just thought I'd buy that.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it was a good question.
2: All right. Well, I do, I do have one, like um, I, I do wonder um, I guess the, obviously with uh, stefanski like everybody always wonders like is there a ability to have consistency when the contract comes up and when all these players are coming uh, are going to be gone do you, th- do you think lo- long term ab will be able to subsidize the roster good enough to keep the success going cuz everybody's so worried about the window and honestly the window could be 2 years and it could be 5 years it all depends to me on how uh Andrew Barry is able to keep the roster at a good enough level I would think do, do you agree on that
1: yeah the, I mean they inherited some players right they inherited a really good situation did Andrew you know Baker was already here Nick's here Kareem was here uh they've done well uh, adjusting course and improving the offensive line and improving the tight end room they've done things on their own but they inherited the playmakers right I mean Odell was already here you can argue whether Odell needed to be here but um just just it's in terms of inheriting the top line players uh, they inherited a lot of it and they've done a great job taking where I thought John Dorsey struggled and that was the middle of the roster to the bottom of the roster and taking it to a whole new level they've done a nice job with that but you're right there's going to be a challenge when you can't pay everybody because you can't right you can't you can't pay this offensive line the way it's being paid forever can't pay two wide receivers the way they're being paid so It's going to come down to drafting. You know, the way you fix your roster holes is you—you know—it's an evolution and drafting players that 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 are that are difference makers for you, and then um, you know also getting those fringe guys, the Sheldon Days, the Davion Davises, the Jamarcus Bradleys, the Cadero Hodges of the world to come in and be able to step in on cheap contracts and perform. So I'm encouraged by those things. Something that I've talked about in nauseum here lately is how well the scouting department has handled those fringe type players, the the vested veterans who are fringe roster players, Michael Dunn's of the world who, who can come in and be a a role player on your, on your team and not cost much money. You know, that's, that's one area where I've said like kudos to them. They've done a fantastic job with that process. And that's, that matters. That's what keeps you in contention. You know, the saints aren't good every year. Patriots had some, some years that weren't as good as others. Um, the Packers have had some years where they, they, they you got to look, if you look at those teams, they've reshaped themselves several times. The challenge is how do you do that? Well, you have to draft well, you got to find guys in the draft. You can sign free agents here and there, but you, you don't rely on that. You got to draft well. So I have no reason right now to doubt the ability of, uh, you know, Andrew Barry to find the fringe players like the Sheldon days of the world, find those types of guys Malik McDowell's uh, but also I think they've done a pretty good job drafting so far so I think that'll be something that they continue to be decent enough too so you know we can get out in front of ourselves and plant fears and all that stuff I know we want because we want the Browns to be as good as they they can be for as long as they can be right we we're like oh my god they're finally good how long will this <clears throat> last um and, and I totally get that and I, I think for now I have no reason to believe that they can't find they can't identify those types of players I'm referencing those fringe guys uh, and also find some UDFA guys, the AJ greens of the world who can help you too. So they're proving, I know it's early and the real test hasn't arrived on this. The real test will be when certain players have to walk, maybe Wyatt Teller has to walk or they don't replace Jack Conklin with a high paid right tackle. That'll be the test. But uh, yeah, for now I feel really good about it. The scouting process, the, the, the process there that's in place, the decisions that they've made, uh, make me feel like they can handle this stuff as it comes. And, and it'll be just really fun actually to watch how they turn over this roster and how it ends up being completely different than where it is right now. You know, they'll have Baker for the foreseeable future. Other young guys, you know, you think Denzel and Miles will be a part of that for a long time. You know, Nick's shelf life is is sort of limited because of obvious reasons for running back scenarios. But, you know, they've got a core of a rusher, a corner, and a, and, and a quarterback – Uh, And we'll see if those guys, all three, have good years. Well, two of them, Miles has already signed. If those two have good years, they'll lock them in for a while, and that's kind of the core. And then you're just shaping it around them. And I think Andrew Barry is a guy I feel really comfortable with shaping the roster around those guys.
0: All right. Well, I, I fully agree. I think the future looks great. So, Jake, I don't want to really hold you any longer. You've been here for about 40 minutes already. So this was just a great interview. Thanks again for coming on. You guys can check him out at the OBR film breakdown. So
1: make sure to check that out. And thank you guys for watching. Peace out.